welcome back to another episode of Built from the Inside Out, and I'm here today with Pastor Rod. Thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, so um, my name is Rodrigo Vargas. I'm actually an immigrant. I came from Chile, South America, um, and um, had a rough start in in the in 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 America, uh, language, culture. Um, but also at the age of six, um, I went through a series of abuses, physical, verbal, and sexual abuse. Um, and that caused a trauma in my life. When I was 13 years old, I drank, uh, for the first time. And I realized that the psychological trauma I had in my head would kind of subside when I would drink, uh, that over a 20 year period unraveled to a cocaine and Xanax addiction. Um, now all of it was rooted in depression um, uh, which is, uh, recently I've been diagnosed as a bipolar depressive, uh, which is my mind works really, really fast. So like, as we're talking, I'm thinking about 17 other things in my head, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which God wants to use in a, in a certain way, in a good way. Uh, but with it comes some problems, which is like old traumas have to be settled. You have to talk through them. Emotions run really high. I'm really passionate about things. Um, and I have to get proper rest. I have to have proper boundaries. I have to express myself. I have to have an avenue of expression without uh, being limited. But none of that was diagnosed. Um, they, 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 the first time I went to a psychologist, uh, the first thing they did was give me um, uh, uh, antidepressants. Mm. Um, and that kind of helped a little bit. But it was when they gave me Xanax that opened up a window Um uh, into addiction, uh, within weeks of me taking Xanax, I was sniffing cocaine, like, you know, three days a week. And then, ev- and then eventually over 18 month period, uh, unraveled to a everyday occurrence in 2008, uh, well, in 2007, um, I used to have a big real estate company. <clears throat> so businesses, entrepreneurship is really something I'm, I'm like, I'm passionate about, uh, the business world, even though I'm a pastor, um, and so I had built these businesses and had all kinds of money. I was depressed. So I was looking for more money, more success, more mm-hmm. drugs, um, more strip joints, you know, to, to fill my, my, my void. Eventually in 2007, because I was making really poor decisions, I was arrested on federal charges. Um, God did a miracle, which was like the first miracle he did was I got dismissed. Um, uh, but in, six months of trial, I went bankrupt. I lost two half a million dollar homes. I'm driving around a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes that I can't make a payment on. And I'm like, like four months on it. Um, I'd completely, like complete despair. And in 2008, um, I ended up in a rehab facility two and a half miles from here, uh, off of, uh, Gessner and Hammerley. And it was there I had an experience with God that I knew I'd been running from him. And I gave myself to him. I just basically said, hey, God, I've been running from you from this day forward. I'm going to run to you. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. Uh, That moment instantly filled me with hope and led me down a path of, like I said, like I promised him, whatever he asked me to do, I would do. I walked into a life-giving church. And it was when I call life-giving church, it was vibrant. Okay. People were smiling and they were like high-fiving you and they had like Starbucks, uh, free Starbucks uh, uh, at the station and and there was music and it wasn't Christian music. Like I remember vividly they had on, they were playing YouTube. Okay. And so um, it, it, it caught my attention 
Um, but when the service started, I felt the presence of God. Um, having faith, I never felt that presence. I only had faith based on words on the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And not an experience with God. And, uh, and, and uh, after a two-year period, I grew in faith and leadership and eventually became a youth pastor. When I was a youth pastor, I was reading a book by a pastor named Erwin McManus, Salvadoreño, uh, has okay. a really cool church, really vibey church in, in L.A., downtown L.A., um, mm -hmm. in Hollywood, okay. actually, uh, really into fashion and creativity and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was reading the book, um, it, he, it was a chapter called The Tribe Called Forward. Uh, God, like I'd never seen this before, a vision of a church. And that mm -hmm. church was... A vibrant, diverse, multi-ethnic, multiracial, multicultural, and multi-generational church. It was old people, young people, a lot of young people, um, mm -hmm. black, white, Hispanic, Asians, um, uh, people that came from Muslim background. I saw uh, uh, gay couples. And when you see a vision like that, it can be really scary. Um in a good way. It was exciting, um, but I was confused. Um, and I tried to pit, fit that vision I saw into other people. Uh, and over a long period of time, it took about seven years, um, that unraveled into that it was a church I was to plant. And that's Union Houston. We just celebrated four years. Uh, we are, yeah, thank you. We're exactly what God showed me, that glimpse he showed me, mm -hmm. which is a vision. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest with you, I think it was more of a glimpse mm -hmm. of the people I reach, except Jesus. And because I see it, but I saw it like in a place I can't describe. So mm -hmm. I think God showed me a glimpse of the people we touch, not just me, but all of us that are called union family mm -hmm. in heaven. Um, so, yeah. There's gay people, there's black people, there's white people, there's Latinos, there's viejos and, and, and young <laughs> people. Um, but I do have a young boys. Mm -hmm. I was a youth pastor for five years. Uh, I have a bold faith, uh, a brash persona. Um, I'm not afraid to take risks. I don't care what religious people say. I don't care what quote unquote, the experts of church say, I do what God asked me to do. And so the average age of our church is 32. Okay. The average age of my leadership is 28 years old. Oh, wow. I mean, we're talking about leaders leading, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, this year so far, we've had uh, seven babies born. Mm -hmm. That's how you can tell <laughs> how young we are as a church. This is only 450 people and it's seven babies born within a six-month period. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I still haven't visited. I need to visit one day. Oh, you'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> you'll fit right in. You both yeah. fit right in. Yeah. 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 So the way we met was through Anya. Uh, yeah. At Connect Her Connection. Yeah. Uh, networking event, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it just really, so when, you know, for the people who don't know, it's, it was a networking event. We went, uh, it's kind of like speed dating, but for working together for businesses. That's right. That's right. And then so whenever I sat down with you mm -hmm. and so it really just like stuck with me what you told me. It mm -hmm. wasn't what I was expecting at all. Mm -hmm. um, 
I didn't know you were a pastor. When I sat down, I didn't know what we were doing exactly. I don't look like a pastor. <laughs> and then, you know, you started talking and you started talking about finding your purpose. That's right. And you told me, I remember you told me, um, talk to a girl who hates herself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That's right. Like, it just really stuck with me. And you're, at, so I wanted to invite you to come to the podcast because you're actually one one of the main reasons I even started it because it just stuck oh, with so me. Good. Yeah, it stuck with me. So, you know, I started thinking about, I was like, what can I do? And what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And so I started to build from the inside out because I went through pageantry and then um, they brought in so many people that helped me change my mentality. So I was like, maybe that's a start. Maybe I can just start by bringing in those people Mm -hmm. and talking to people about the things that they taught me. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring you in and talk about that, finding your purpose. How did you start helping people find their purpose. Yeah, so that's interesting. It, I'm glad that I shared the back piece to um, mm-hmm. why I'm a pastor, why union, and, and, and why is it that I do what I do? Um, the reality of it is is that, um, yeah, it's not ideal that, uh, you know, uh, an immigrant kid struggled so much. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know if you notice, well, I'm wearing a hoodie, but I'm really fair-skinned. Okay. My my siblings look more like you. They're darker. And so I had a psychological trauma as well that I looked white. So my hair's like kind of dirty blonde when I was young. Mm, okay. And I had a really thick accent. Like your boy could not speak English correctly. And so I got made fun of. And we lived in a, and I lived in, I grew up in LA, lived in a predominantly Chicano neighborhood mm-hmm. um, in the Valley. And I got made fun of. Like, el huero doesn't know how to speak English, you know, and that mm. kind of thing. And so all those traumas kind of led me down a path of of where I got to. But when I told God what I told him, I'll do what you asked me to do. Mm-hmm. I think it was a bold step of faith because that's just natural in me. Mm-hmm. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to speak. He wanted me, use me to speak to who I used to be. Mm. And who I used to be, I know it doesn't look like it, okay, but I weighed 325 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, I was a hot mess. Not only was I addicted, but I was just like, I was just really messed up, like unhealthy, uh, just really messed up. I wanted to speak to that man who was married, had kids, but felt like, I mean, I try to, I try to kill myself. I want to, I speak to the person that's hanging on for dear life, and is thinking about ending it all. I mm-hmm. speak to the addict. I speak to the young girl who hates herself and cuts herself mm-hmm. because she hates herself. I speak to the immigrant family who doesn't know when they'll get their papers, uh, that are always in fear, always looking over their shoulder. Mm-hmm. I speak to the person that feels they have no control over their drinking, over their cocaine, Xanax, or, or crack addiction. I speak to them because God pressed in the ability to speak into them. Mm-hmm. So when I think, when I'm preparing a sermon, mm-hmm. yes, I speak to the house mom or the person that just has negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. But my target audience is that person that's furthest away. So when we met, like, mm-hmm. I, you kind of shared what you do. And I was like, you really need to speak to, you know, the beautiful girl that doesn't feel she's beautiful because the rest of the world says, this is what beauty looks like. Mm, okay. 
And so when they look at you, they look at a role model. They look at, they look at us as role models. Like, okay, they made it, they got it made. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we're not, we haven't made anything unless we bring people with us. Right. Yeah. So, um, that kind of led me to, that's where I saw or what I had this burning desire. And then after that, it was just all about, okay, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel that way? Well, Remember I mentioned I was a business owner, mm-hmm. I was an entrepreneur? Yeah. I like to build things. Okay. Like not with my hands cuz I'm not good at that. Like <laughs> a hammer, there's a whole story about me trying to fix a toilet with a hammer and I broke the whole toilet. <laughs> I'm not good at that, but I am good at seeing a vision, which is why when I walked into the this building, like mm-hmm. I looked at everything. Oh, this is pretty cool. Like this I like how they did this. I like how they have this set up. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of analyzing things. That's what I like to build. What is it that makes a well-old organization? What's the value of it? What is their vision? Why do I really particularly only use certain products? And it has to do with those Apple, Steve Jobs discovered his purpose. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like Phil Knight, the, the CEO of Nike, mm-hmm. he discovered his purpose. Yeah. Nike was an unknown brand in the 70s when he started it. But he knew his purpose. And Steve Jobs was an unknown computer company. IBM was the biggest at that time. But he knew his purpose. There is power in purpose. And so that's where, like, the whole, like, purpose is really important. And it, it, it attaches to faith. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it goes hand in hand. Like, I guess most people think of faith. They think it in a religious mm-hmm. kind of setting or experience. Yeah. But it's more than that. Having faith is not just having faith in God. It's having faith in yourself. Jesus said you keep, there's, there was 10 commandments that were given to the Jews. Mm-hmm. He's being challenged. And, oh, you know, he says, well, if you just keep, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, and the man said, I, he's asking someone. And the man said, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. With that, you complete the entire law, right? right. Pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, most religious people don't do that, though. Mm-hmm. And here's why. And so maybe if they're watching, that they can, aha moment. They don't like themselves. You see, you can't love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. if you don't love yourself. Yeah. If you don't have the identity that I am a child of God. The word of God is not just some book of rules or don't do this, don't do that. No, it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That in Ephesians 10 says that I am God's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. The apostle Peter says that we are a chosen people. This is powerful statements of God about us. Mm -hmm. But most of the time we like what it says, but we don't believe that I am a masterpiece. Yeah. I'm too fat. Oy, I got some wrinkles right here. I'm getting old, right? I'm 46. Mira las arrugas. Right? I said those things. (laughs) Of course you did. I did. Look, can we be honest? Can we be transparent? I can't be a pastor and and not be transparent, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I've grown to love my beard. My kids love it. They're like, I've threatened to shave it. They're like, no, no, no. Like everybody loves the beard, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's like really wiry and it's all over the place. 
especially with the mask, right? Mm. And it gets on my nerves. And I'm like, God, God, why couldn't you have given me like my brother? My brother has this beautiful, my brother has like curly hair. So he has this full beard. I'm like, it, and I'm in that place again. Oh, I'm not loving myself the way God sees me. I have to go back to the place where on God's refrigerator, there's a picture of me. And when he gets up in the morning to make his coffee, right, mm. to get the creeper, he sees a picture of Rod and he says, that's my kid. Mm. He's so gorgeous. He's so <laughs> smart. So proud of him. If we can't get to that place, I can't love people. Yeah, that's so true. So, but that's attached to purpose. I have to know what my purpose is in life to fully understand how much God loved me and that I love myself in order to love others. Mm -hmm. So religious people, number one, religion is nothing more than God, man's opinion on God's word. Mm -hmm. Right. And number two, they, most religious people, they don't love themselves the way God already loved them. Yeah. That's not going away. So, uh, and, and finally, the last piece is that I've been really kind of talking to the church about mm-hmm. is a uh, trick question. Why did Jesus come to earth? To, from what I understand, to save us. To save us from what? From our sins. From our sins. Let's. I'm about to I'm about to make your podcast. <laughs> we just opened up a can of worms. I'm excited. This is this is my wheelhouse. If anybody tells you that that's the reason Jesus the only reason what Jesus came to do, their view and their version of God is a homicidal maniac. Okay. He's gonna slaughter his son just to save people from the bad things they do. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. When Jesus said, I came to set the captives free, we were free. Now, the grace that God wanted to shower on us happened at the cross. When he was crucified and blood ran out, salvation was here. That's grace. It's free. All you have to do is believe to have salvation. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said over and over, and by the way, if you're listening, I want you to fact check me. There's only one message Jesus taught, and it was this. I came to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. He didn't say, I came so that I can free you from your sins. Every message he preached was about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the entry point, the door to that kingdom is salvation. We have to be in right standing with God. We must be able to stand before God without our sins. Jesus' blood took care of that, his grace. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, so people are getting all, oh, my God, he's being heretical. No, you still have to have faith. You still have to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You died for my sins. But the gospel continues after that. 
And what Jesus did was restore a kingdom God the Father originally had intentions for us as human beings. What he did was restore what was lost in the Garden of Eden. When God created Adam and Eve, people think, oh, it was just going to be Adam and Eve. No, he told them be fruitful and multiply. They were going to have kids. It was going to be one happy family with God as our king. But they messed that up. When they sinned, God set forth in, a mo- in motion a plan to restore that kingdom, and it was through Jesus. That's what we're living in, is a restored kingdom. So the reality of it is, is when you come into a right-standing relationship with the king of the universe through Jesus, who is a representation of the three parts of God, right? Mm-hmm. The first thing he does is save you from your sins. But the second thing he comes to do immediately is he begins to speak into your purpose, which is why Jeremiah, the prophet said, the Lord said, I have plans for you. They're to prosper you and they're for good. They're not. He never said, I have plans to save you from your sins. Obviously that has to happen for us to stand before God, but it's a purpose. Each one of us are born with a certain personality, with a certain passion, with a certain desire. And they're mm-hmm. all, God created us and inside of us is, a, is an image of him. Because in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us create mankind in our image and in our likeness. He put himself in you, in me. Mm-hmm. Everybody watching, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have to discover what parts, because we can't. Not all of God has to fit in, can't fit in us. Our faith should be about getting to know our creator on an intimate level as he begins to speak to our purpose. So here's two things I discovered about myself is I'm a builder, but I was building the wrong things. But I love to fight for people that don't have a voice. For all those kids that got bullied in school because they were nerds because they couldn't speak English really good, because they were a little fat, right? Mm -hmm. I speak purpose to that. So I'm building a movement, if you will, a kingdom movement to help eradicate that and give those kids a voice and a purpose. That's how purpose kind of fits into the whole, like, faith piece. I've never heard it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most people think it's... Jesus came to save us because we're dirty sinners. And yeah, we were. But originally the intention God had was a royal family. And we abdicated. Adam and Eve abdicated their position. They basically, they had control over the serpent. They could have told the serpent, hey, you know, shoo away. But they didn't. So God came to restore that. Now, as kingdom people, as people with faith in, in Jesus, we have to be able, you can actually control most of your destiny, not, not control it, control the outcome. In other words, you can have a part in it mm-hmm. when you have faith, right? right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and most people think it's like you're begging God to do something. And yeah, you have to ask God to help you, but you're telling them, I'm going to do my part as you help me fulfill this destiny you've given me. And that part is I think is the number one thing missing in churches and religion is we obey 
what God is asking us because it leads us to our destiny. Not because he's going to get mad and throw lightning bolts at us. <laughs> just nowhere in scripture is that found. Yeah, I don't think they really talk about purpose at the churches I've been to. Yeah, most of them don't. Uh, we're that really. I remember. Most of them don't. Um, most of them are. They uh, have so much theology. They have so many doctrines, so many rules to follow, um, that they miss the point of you know speaking number one values. Uh, most human beings have value system. The church has a value system. Jesus had a value system, right? Mm, yeah. um, love, right? Prayer. He prayed all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, worship. He was in the temple all the time. These are valuable things to Jesus. They should be valuable to us. Most right. ch churches don't speak of values. Most churches don't speak of helping people. We help people discover their purpose. Now, we do it practically, too. So there's a spiritual part where we teach people like what the scriptures say and pray and meditate and be with God. But we'll also give you assessments. I think me and you have talked about that, right? Yeah. We, we assess your personality, mm -hmm. which, by the way, everything in, in that report speaks mm -hmm. to how God created you. Okay. The report shows you how to leverage the way he made you for you to be a success. There's a... A, a number of these reports that we could do, right? Mm -hmm. This is the one thing. Behavior analysis is like a big thing for me mm -hmm. because it really helped me, like, understand my purpose is understanding why was I always, uh, it, you can do something to me. You, mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I was really bad. I was a criminal. So I got jumped a lot. And I could get beat up, and I pain is nothing for me. So I get beat up, and it's no big deal. But if you touch one of my friends or my family, it was going to be hell to pay. I didn't understand why. Well, it turns out when I took an Enneagram mm -hmm. assessment, I'm what's called an 8-7 or 7-8. Um, but 8 is a, a person that doesn't like injustice happening. Mm, okay. And they want to protect. Mm -hmm. And that's natural. That's how I'm wired, right? Right. Um, and there's a number of, uh, there's a, then there's spiritual tests, right? You could take a spiritual test. This is how the Holy Spirit works in you. All those things help me understand, oh, that's why. That's why I feel this way. That's why I get depressed, right? Okay. There's something I heard this morning of a pastor from Dallas say. Um, he said, I have a, would you say most people have desires in their life? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of them desires are not healthy, but mm -hmm. we'll speak on healthy desires, right? Mm -hmm. The desire to be healthy, mm -hmm. the desire to look good, mm -hmm. the desire to have enough mm -hmm. to provide for yourself and family, mm -hmm. if you're a family, the desire to be successful. In other words, that success has nothing to do with money, by the way. Right. The desire to be successful, the desire to be able to succeed in the things you set out to do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the desire to um, dress well and drive a, a good car and have a, a, a home. These are healthy desires. Mm -hmm. But what happens is if desire is not met with development, it leads you to depression. Mm -hmm. You can say it this way. Desire minus development equals depression.
That makes sense. That's what happened to me. Yeah. I had all this desire, but mm-hmm. I wasn't reading. I wasn't listening to sermons. I wasn't listening to podcasts. I, I was making money that was in the account, and I was just buying things. You know, $400 mm-hmm. jeans and $1,200 shoes and, you know, $10,000 trip to Vegas. But I wasn't developing. I wasn't developing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a John Maxwell certified coach, trainer, speaker. If I would have known that 12 years ago, mm-hmm. I may not be depressed because now I'm developing, learning about myself, kind of applying these tools to 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 grow my business. Now, God had a different plan, but you see where I'm going with mm-hmm. that, right? Right. If you're listening and you have a desire and it's a healthy desire, maybe it's to be fit. Maybe it's to uh, be an influencer. Maybe it's to be a leader. Maybe it's to teach. Maybe it's whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. If you don't work towards developing that skill, that talent, it'll end in depression. And depression mm-hmm. is nothing more than an absence of hope. There's an absence of hope. I go from there. What do I do now? So you have to work those things out. Now you have to know your purpose and then desire comes in and then you can kind of like in tandem work those things out. But development is really important. And you don't need money to develop. I know I spent money to be a John Maxwell coach, but you really don't need. You need 10 bucks to buy a book. Yeah. So what is a John Maxwell coach? So John Maxwell is probably the world's, world's leading voice in leadership. Okay. Uh, he used to be a pastor many years ago in the 70s. In the late 80s, he transferred into the business world, uh, helping organizations build leadership. And from that came a book. Um, and then from that, he's written, I think, like 82 books or something like that. Uh, from that, he got booked all these speaking conferences. And some years ago, I think it was about 12 years ago, 15 years ago, he started what's called the John Maxwell Company. Okay. And the John Maxwell Company nothing is nothing more than a group of people that are leaders, pastors, business owners that come together to develop content, to share amongst each other. Uh, to become better leaders, organizers, uh, speakers, motivators, mentors. So there's levels levels uh, that you can do. Mm-hmm. I do coaching through them. I've done coaching through them. But they also teach you how to train, uh, how to mentor, uh, which is one-on-one, and then how to publicly speak. So I'm a pastor. I publicly speak all the time. Right. But I wasn't always this proficient in it. Mm-hmm. It was reading John Maxwell books, watching videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, on my lunch break. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is how he does it. This is how he tells stories. Like his thing is big. Well, I'm a storyteller. I don't know if you probably already caught on. I tell <laughs> stories. I, that's why I tell stories. Okay. Because they connect. Right. They're real. Mm-hmm. It's the best teaching tool. Guess mm-hmm. who else did that? Jesus. True. All yeah. he did was tell <laughs> stories. So <clears throat> this this is why John Maxwell not. A couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I made that that decision, you know, I'm going to invest in it. I mean, it's a big investment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was probably the best decision that I made because at that time, my depression had come back. And I really needed something. I knew I wasn't growing. I wasn't, I didn't know why. I didn't understand it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, the development piece came. So, okay. Yeah. So that's where that comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I help not just in the church, but mm-hmm. so like next year we'll, um, I work with a, a few other John Maxwell coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be working with a big corporate company where once a quarter we go in and we train them on leadership, organization, teamwork, okay. culture, mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I'm gonna be doing all the Spanish speaking pieces. Oh, okay. So my my language thing comes in <laughs> handy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So whenever you help someone, uh, whenever you do the assessment, you use well, it was the one called DISC, right? Yeah, it's a DISC, uh, which stands for um, uh, it's a different personality. So dominant, okay. right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's uh, uh, introvert. Uh, so, um, the S is um, uh, uh, systems, and C is compliant. So the Cs are compliant. Okay. Um, in in these three, four different personalities, mm -hmm. you find yourself, and it doesn't eliminate you from doing something. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that or if you're an introvert that you can't do extrovert things. It mm -hmm. just teaches you in the report, as you notice, yeah. it teaches you how to overcome those things. Yeah. But it also the report also goes into and it teaches you who you are when you're under pressure. Mm. And that's really important because we forget. We don't see ourselves. I know that this is the case with me is I don't see myself. I see myself as the encourager and the, mm. yeah, you know, everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when I'm mad, when I'm pissed, mm. I'm not like that. I change. We all do. Mm -hmm. So being cognizant of that. I know what not to do and what to do under those mm, situations. Okay. Yeah. But I also can couple with someone and be like, hey, I need you to help me with this. You know, mm -hmm. tell me what you think about this. Mm. And then I can kind of like, it creates greater success in whatever it is I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the report actually goes into a lot of details about that pressure, mm -hmm. um, how to segue, and who you work best with. So mm. it's, it's also about being proficient. Um, mm -hmm. with who you can work with and or how to work with those people as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I think I was an I. Yeah. When I took it. Yeah. So you're, um, if I can describe the eyes, the eyes, um, there's an elevator experiment we do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a D, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm direct. I need to get to wherever it is. So, so let's say we're walking into an elevator. Right. And I'm in the elevator and I see people come in. I hit the close the door button <laughs> because they're going to slow me down. They're going to slow me down. <laughs> Don't judge me, y'all. You are going to hold it open yeah. because the more people, the better. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're you're the life of the party. You're like, hey, girl, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm the life of the party. I think I'm very I'm an introvert. So I don't really like it. But you like me. you like to be around people, like you know your friends. Yeah, I do. Like yeah. I, I do, and there are days when I don't. Like I need a oh, balance. Yeah. Well, we all have yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, we yeah. all need that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm direct, mm -hmm. but there's sometimes I just don't want to have to deal with a, something, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's how you kind of start to pick up. Okay, that's how I operate. This is, okay. you know, it helps you find that that those key pieces to mm -hmm. discovering that purpose. So there's layers, but the reality is, I tell people all the time: you're on a path of you're on a journey. Mm -hmm. I like to use the word journey. Yeah. You're on a journey to to fulfilling mm -hmm. your purpose. Um, the Bible calls work. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because the the Bible is written in non-American languages. Right. Therefore, it has non-American cultural context. Mm. The word work is ergon 
And ergon does not mean I got to go to work. It's literally when a Jewish person or, or Jesus would say, I got to go to work. You know what he would say? Mm. I got to go to fulfill myself. Mm. The word ergon, which is work, is fulfillment. Okay. So we're on a, on a journey mm -hmm. to work out our purpose. Right. Kind of like the way me and you work out. Mm -hmm. Why are we working out? Because we're trying to develop, fulfill the best possible health or body that we can mm -hmm. have. It's the same purpose here with purpose, I should say, mm -hmm. is you're working towards the fulfillment. Will we get there in this lifetime? No, but in the next, you'll know exactly what that is. And our journey is to enjoy the process and the journey of fulfilling our purpose. If, we, if we're not on that path, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. loss of hope, despair, most problems in our society are going to come from that. People yeah. that don't know who they are, where they come from, why they're here, and where they're going. And if they don't know why they're here, they don't know where they're going. Mm -hmm. Which is ironic. The gospel answers all those five questions from a biblical, Hebraic standpoint. But it's also the five laws, hierarchical laws of Maslow. Okay. Is so that, there's like all these psychologists, right? Maslow's yeah. theory, right? Mm -hmm. He has a hierarchical there, five needs. Right. And all those five, if you reword them a little bit, it's the same thing. Mm. So literally, psychological problems are solved with the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot of the things people out there are discovering, it's stuff biblical. that's already, in, yeah. 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 Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. My goal is to get it out there. In my mm -hmm. way. So I, I do get I do get a lot of criticism. I do get talked about a lot. I get, do get, uh, I have Facebook ads, obviously, and posts, and people jump on there and say the dumbest things mm. you can ever imagine. But what I realized is they don't get it. Yeah. And they want me to act the way they think I should act. Well, I don't follow their rules. I follow yeah. what God's asked me to do. And the one thing he's told me, and he's used uh, one of my spiritual fathers, um, is, uh, was a Houston oiler. His name's Mike Barber. Uh, he has the largest prison ministry in Texas. And he grabbed, grabbed me one day. Um, Holy Spirit spoke to him. Um, and he said, Rod, never change who you are. God made you a certain way. He's going to use it. And the more authentic, the more real you are, the more powerfully he'll use you. Of course, he's a big man. <laughs> he's like 70 years old. And he can probably still whoop my ass. <laughs> Grab me like this, right? And I believe that to be true. Now, today, I'm living that. And mm -hmm. so when religious people and all these people talk bad about me and they say things, mm -hmm. they, I ignore them. And that drives them even more crazy. And that's the best thing you can do. Oh, yeah. It's the best yeah. thing you can do. But the... The bad part is now they, they try to they try to attack your family, my mm. kids, and stuff like that. You know, look for things, which yeah. is, yeah, I just talked to my Yeah, family. and I think those are just people who aren't happy with themselves. They don't love themselves. Exactly. We go back to where we started. Yeah. So I pray for them, and I truly, mm. honestly, don't, don't judge them. Mm. Um, when I say religious people, yeah, I'm saying it in that way, but that's what our audience recognizes them as. 
That does not mean that I don't go home and I don't pray for them. And I just say, Father, just speak to them who they are and that they're Mm -hmm. valuable and that they matter and that they don't need to go around telling other people how to act. Uh, I recently told a loved one he's having a hard time with someone he loves. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I get it. But the reality of it is, is you're not going to be able to change her. Yeah. You have to. This is the hard part. You love her? Yes. Okay, good. You're going to have to let her. It's going to be painful. Let her work it out. You have to pray for her and believe that God will do something. Because if you jump in and tell her what to do, then it's not her. It's Mm. you. So do you want God to do the work or do you want to do the work? Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part as a as a pastor. That's where I got two years ago. I fell into this depression. Is I got really wrapped up in competitiveness and comparison, mm-hmm. and that the success of the church depended on me and what I preached, uh, my my vision, and and I had to lay all that down. I had to mm-hmm. really let it go and just say, you know, God, if you want me to be a church of four hundred for the rest of my life, as long as I can see those people that you showed me in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm yours. And everything changed. Everything changed. Um, so today he sends me messages. And they're powerful. I want to share one with you because I think it'll relate to your audience. Uh, we're filming right now in the studio. That's literally one block from the church, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, one Sunday morning, um, this, uh, this weeks ago, this is recently, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the pandemic has made people act really crazy uh so it's been a slow go getting people back to church Mm -hmm. but god has brought people that are desperate for god they they might be in a certain Mm -hmm. situation so they're coming they're coming they're coming well a few weeks ago there was a young man and he was driving by and and and, uh he told me a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago actually he tells me man three weeks ago i was driving by here and i was going to meet my coke dealer at the gas station. Oh, wow. When I drove by here, something pulled me. Like, I can't explain it. Something was pulling me like, stop, go in there, go in there. Something's happening there. And he says, I ignored it. I went to the gas station. When I got to the gas station, I heard something telling me, turn around and go back. Don't buy the Coke, go back. Turn around and we drove in, not knowing it was a church, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been to church, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. He pulls in. And he sees all our people waving and happy mm-hmm. and the flags and what's up, dude, you know? And he said he walked in and he realized, oh, man, this is a church. And then I preached and he came back the next week. But on the third week, uh, you know, I, I present the gospel and he finally, uh, I do an altar call where I invite people to give their lives to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he raised his hand. I remember vividly I saw him raise his hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, he was with his son. Afterwards, he came outside. Me and my wife usually try to greet people on the way out. Mm -hmm. And while he was walking out, he stopped. He says, Pastor, can I talk to you? Oh, yeah, sure. What's good? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's good? He says, "Uh, man, I want to tell you something. I just feel it in my heart. I just gave my life to Jesus today. But three weeks ago, I was driving by this building. And he tells me the story. Mm. And he turned to me with like <clears throat> tears in his eyes. And he says, uh, this place saved my life. Wow. I was like, 
God, like I felt so strong in that moment and I wanted to cry. So to keep it in, in check, I was like, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Which is really more like praying for us, you know? Yeah. And so I prayed for him. And later on, I couldn't shake that. And so I was out in my backyard smoking a cigar. Um, and uh, I was just spending time with God thanking him. And he reminded me of that. And he said, I sent you that. Mm-hmm. To remind you that you're, we're supposed to, or you, you, you are where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you're doing exactly what I asked you to do. Yeah. So and things like that are just so priceless. Like oh, it just yeah. makes you realize like yeah. everything you're doing is worth it. Absolutely. And by the way, that's one of the powerful ones that yeah. he shared. And yeah. he, and uh, but I have like over the pandemic, I have probably thirty or forty of those. Wow. You know, this yeah. is the most powerful one mm-hmm. and the most recent. Mm-hmm. But what's crazy is uh, so uh, he came with his son. Then the next week he came again with a friend. Mm-hmm. And last week he brought his entire family. Oh, wow. And he introduced him to his whole entire family to me and my wife. Mm-hmm. And it was very special because we have a saying, Mike Bumper ministry and the prison ministry with my spiritual father, mm-hmm. is you save the man, you save the family. Mm-hmm. And it was God's reminder again, like, hey, like you're right on time. But so got to silence all those voices. Yeah. Just got to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, today when you tell me about that like, you started this because of what I said, <laughs> that wasn't, I mean, my intention was to pull out the best in you. That's yeah. how, just how I operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. But it to just really that. stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I That's was good. like, okay, you know, I was like, yeah, he's right. Because my, at that point, my Instagram served no purpose. It was yeah. just pictures of me. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a picture of me, whatever. And that's constantly what I, like, that's mm-hmm. how Anya, like, because mm-hmm. Anya goes to my church. Yeah. She's a big part of the church, but mm-hmm. that's one of the main things that I've worked with her on mm-hmm. is like, yes, you can be an influencer. Forget about influencer. Like, yeah. like I wish we can repurpose that word influencer, which by the way, the word influence means authority. Mm-hmm. And most influencers don't carry any authority. Yeah. I actually don't like that word. Yeah. I, I don't okay, like but tell me, Oh, you're an influencer. I'm like, Oh, I have an Instagram. <laughs> we, we need to be. We need to redefine that and mm-hmm. use a word with purpose. Yeah. It should be more like, you know, um, purpose coaches or uh, purpose mentors or purpose encouragers because that's right. all we should be doing. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the reality is the word influence, the root word of it is authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible tells us that all authority has been handed on to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So true authority will come via Jesus, via the gospel, via things of God. Right. Really what we're doing is they're not influencers. They're convincers. Yeah. They just convince you that their way of thinking is the right one, but it mm-hmm. has no authority. Yeah. They're just convincers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. What would you tell someone who's looking to find their purpose? I would say uh, if they're a person of faith, um, I would start looking for a church that um, that uh, will have some kind of next step to help them discover spiritual giftings, personality giftings, um, that has a discipleship group that helps them kind of like uh, work out the scriptures, not try to get them to change, but get them to discover the change they need to make. These are important words to keep that to look for. Okay. You want to discover the change you need to have. You can't be told what to change. You have to discover it yourself. 
that's when it becomes powerful. Mm, okay. okay. Uh, if you're not a person of faith, I would encourage you highly uh, to find the safest place. It's for you. This is not for me. This is not for God. God already did what he's going to do, and he's not offended if someone doesn't want to accept him. Mm. He's not. He's still the creator. He he's still the ultimate. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. He did. You know, yeah. he's not going to smite you down. Okay. Uh, but you do, you, you want to start creating a space. Let me give you a tip. The pandemic has done one thing for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's created this, what we're doing, mm-hmm. a norm. Right. Get on a podcast, get on a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to unionhouston.com on, on YouTube and go to our YouTube channel and start listening to some of my sermons. I would say, from August on forward, it'll make more sense. Okay. Um, and and do it at your own space. Do it at your own pace. These are words I use all the time. Mm-hmm. You, we have we create a space, whether it's online or in person, mm-hmm. and we fill it with grace. That means that you can get things wrong. You can take your time. You can come to church for a year and not accept Christ. We're not going to be offended by it. Mm-hmm. When you're ready, you're ready. And it'll be powerful when it happens. Yeah. The second thing is, once you do accept Christ, right? Once mm-hmm. you come to the realization, you're thoroughly convinced that the voice inside your head is not really your voice, but it's God the whole time speaking to you that you are awesome, that you are great, and that you have something out there to conquer. Mm-hmm. Then you have to follow a pace of grace. In other words, you're not going to be a preacher in two years. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through a purpose mm-hmm. of you hear it, you heard it here. You're going to sin again. Yeah. You're going to mess up again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you drink and you're a young person, you might get drunk again yep. until you realize I shouldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, these things come at a pace of grace, right? God's given us that. It's our gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I would say if you're, Neither one of those, like you somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. I would I would recommend um, go on to just Google. Google, start with uh, one disc, okay. uh, D-I-S-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite right now that for non-business people, just for individual, is mm-hmm. Enneagram. Okay. Go look for Google Enneagram, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and find out what number you are and then just start reading. A good book to read on that that'll it, that'll really help you is called The Road Back to You. Um, okay. Really, really powerfully. So again, I don't mind sharing this if if a person out there maybe they're Muslim, maybe they're Jewish, maybe they're Hindu, maybe they're Buddhist. I want you to discover your purpose. At the end of the day, you're gonna discover God. I'm fully convinced of that. Yeah. You know, um, Enneagram. Uh, one of the ones uh, brings in Myers. Are good strength finders are good, but those are more organizational. Enneagram is really good because it speaks to you. Okay. It speaks to you. Uh, it speaks to who you are. Um, and then, lastly, I would say, man, there's so much resources. Maybe you 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 go to Union Houston is not not my cup your cup of tea. I would say there's a number of churches you can go online. It's a very big thing right now. Um, those are steps I would tell people to try, try to help discover their purpose. Um, lastly, really simple, free John Maxwell class right here. Okay. What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? If you can answer 
these things? What do you daydream about? Write this down, y'all. Like, <laughs> what makes you laugh? What brings you joy? What makes you cry? What do you daydream about? Right? If you can answer these three questions, you're, you're starting down a path of learning what your purpose is. And the best book to read, it's a short read. It's really easy read. Uh, it's less than 200 pages. Um, it's Put Your Dream to the Test by John Maxwell. Amazing book. Really easy read. And it dives into these. If you can answer these three questions, you kind of got a good grip. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I know. Put your dream to the test. It'll it'll take care of most of what we've been talking about. Mm. I hadn't heard of that before. So good. I never actually thought of what makes me laugh, what makes me cry. Yeah. I actually teach a one-on-one -on -one and like a corporate setting, put your dream to the test. Um mm -hmm. It comes with modules and like you kind of go through it through a series of settings. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really helped a lot of people um, because a lot of people struggle with, uh, they, they're in the right, they, they might be in the right career, mm -hmm. but they're, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay. Like, you know, um, I recently, I was talking to a friend of mine and he got a great job and he's an organizational leader. Now he's a pastor, but he's an organizational leader. Like his thing is he loves leadership mm -hmm. and loves being organized. Like he likes to organize. Okay. We're going to dispatch this team here and this team's going to accomplish there and it's going to all come together and we're going to all be successful. Right. Okay. But he kept having these issues at work where he felt like, man, I need to get a new job. And I just basically asked him, I was like, well, hold on a second. Like, this is your wheelhouse. The problem is he was doing it for a paycheck. Mm. All, here's what we come down. This is how simple and powerful this is. He came down to the purpose. I said, hey, let's go back to where, how we started. Who's your rod? If I was to work in that place and I'm operating in my skill set, if I can identify one employee that was like I used to be and I can help them, Okay. I'm on purpose. Tell you what, three months have gone by. He's like, bro, best conversation we ever had. I'm loving my job. I'm, I feel purpose. I feel fulfilled. And I know this is not the end for me. I know this is a season, but right now I'm enjoying it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know? And when I started, this is what I told Juan. I was like, if I can help one person with this, I was like, I'm happy. That's it. Never lose that. But oh, like I told you when we met. That one should be the one you pray for. That one should be the one that you get up. Look, there's going to be there's gonna be a day, right, mm -hmm. that you're driving here. And today was crazy. It was raining, right? And yeah. it was all like traffic and all this crazy stuff, right? But you were excited to get here regardless. Yeah. You're going to come here, come hell or high water, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So bring you into my world. What I do, I love. I wouldn't mm -hmm. change it for anything. Right? Yeah. But literally... I've had people that come to church and have backstabbed me, have used me to get what they needed. Mm. Marriage restored, families restored, right? Mm -hmm. And then turn around and backstab me. Have not been there. I lost my father on June 7th due to COVID. Mm. We're not there for me. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I've had people 
that while my father was dying, started attacking me because we went and marched with George Floyd's family. Mm. Apparently the gospel is not good enough for Black Lives Matter. It doesn't work when you march with Black Lives Matter. I don't know what in their religious mind came up with that, but we weren't marching with Black Lives Matter. We were marching with the George Floyd family because Jesus says mourn with those who mourn mm. and seek justice. I mean, the prophets were all about justice. So while my father, people I've helped, poured my life to, backstabbed me and started talking. They started a podcast, wrote blogs about me, lies, slander. They said things like, before I was a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I was by vocation. I was a youth pastor and prison minister, and I worked at in a car dealership. Mm -hmm. I used to make good money. I worked. I left a six figure salary to do what I do. Mm That's how passionate I am what what I'm doing, right? And so I make let's. Let's be real. Like, first of all, I used to own a business where I made half a million dollars a year. Mm. I didn't make that. I changed my lifestyle. But I grew up in the streets. I'm a sneakerhead. You know, I used to have a collection of 180 Jordans. Mm. I only have 35, 40 pairs of shoes now. But I do have them. Right? Mm -hmm. They said, don't go to a church church where the pastor worships shoes. I don't worship shoes. But because I got more drip than you doesn't mean you got to come at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all good. Yeah. I know? was I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Chappelle. He had Chappelle on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chappelle, uh, I think Rogan said, oh, you know, people are going to talk bad because I think he was doing shows. And he was like, well, he was like, Jesus was a pretty cool dude and they killed him. He was like, yeah, so. The same here. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that. Like, you know. So anyways, mm-hmm. my point is that when that was happening, mm-hmm. right, to me. Yeah. I was okay with it. You know why? Because I'm thinking of Rod, 2008. Mm. Matter of fact, sometimes when it gets really bad, I think of six-year-old Rod. And that's when it becomes powerful. Yeah. Because there's a person out there that was physically, verbally, or sexually abused. And my life is to help them. Walk with them. I'm not giving up for anybody or any criticism or any of these people out here. Mm -hmm. I'm right on time and right on purpose. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're out of time. But thank you so much. Thank you you for being here. And thank you for that message. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It was an honor. And I'm so thrilled to hear that you're fulfilling your purpose. Thank you.